three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by Adam and Keelan. My name's Adam. My name's Keelan. Thanks for being here today. <laughs> Thank you very much. How's it going? Yeah, really good. I mean, I'm pretty tired because it's what, 7.45 now here and you've just woken up. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you as always. You're looking pretty handsome today. Thank you. It's probably because um, I haven't shaved in a while. Yeah, I was going to say the beard to hair kind of ratio is like in that like, I don't know how you describe it. The the sweet spot, right? The sweet spot for sure. But it's like that <laughs> kind of like sexy, I'm busy. It's yeah. not too stubbly. Like it's it's beard enough. How, how am I doing? Because I'm kind of doing my own version of that right now. You know, it, yeah, it looks good. You like it? It looks really good. Yeah. Uh, your hair is a bit fluffy, not going to lie, but so is mine. So it's not bad. If we had a fluffy hair competition, I think I would leave you in the dust. All right. I mean, let <laughs> me to brag. I <laughs> know. Uh, I don't think it's a brag thing. It's just like yeah. my hair looks like uh, very often like it just came out of the dryer and it's, mm-hmm. uh, but I have these headphones on that kind of push it down. Can you actually grow an afro? Yeah. 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 It's looking like it's getting there, but I'm wondering, does it fall after, I don't know. It gets a foot out or does it just keep going? So that's the thing. It kind of depends. It's like it goes through its own stages, right? Mm-hmm. There will be days where gravity doesn't seem to have any impact and days where it's, you know, extra gravity. Um, but yeah, I can. It's a bit of an animal then, huh? I, yeah. I mean, it definitely has its own personality. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I can show you a picture and, and I can, we can post it on the socials uh, mm-hmm. of kind of peak afro like you know in renaissance art when in the stained glass windows to indicate that somebody was holy be it jesus or peter or a monk they were a yeah. holy figure they would have a circle around their head of mm-hmm. like yellow yellow yeah. glass right that's what my hair looks like except that it's brown yeah yeah it's not bad though sometimes i wish i had curly hair i remember during school I would struggle a lot with getting the right haircut because I used to always go to this uh, like Algerian barbers in East London. This was uh, primary school stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be really difficult to get the right uh, length of hair because if I cut it too short, it would look good for like a week and then it would just keep growing out. So it'd be really hard to flatten because of how straight the hair was. And it was only till... I know I was an adult where I could pick my own barber <laughs> when I was like 16, 17, that I started getting like non Mediterranean style haircut. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a Turkish barber sort of thing where they, they right. all, they always cut you the same way. Every single person is the same haircut, depending on how thick the hair is, how thin it is. And so I would always just have like a very short cut and then it, it would stick up, especially at the back, like the worst possible place for it to stick up that's where it would stick up you know what i mean or if you it's like impossible to relate to this story because your, your hair's curly um yeah i feel like i'm a bit lost um <laughs> Damn it. Th- that's a funny <laughs> that's really funny though 
that you were just kind of taken by your father to an Algerian barber and you're like, well, I yeah. guess this is what my hair is going to look like until I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and I would always just be there. Like they would talk to me in Arabic thinking that I spoke Arabic and I would just nod for years, for years. I would nod. They, they probably thought I was just stupid, but <laughs> I, my Arabic was uh, non-existent. Right. Still today, no Arabic. Well, that's something I you and I have in common. Neither of us speak Arabic. Oh, great. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I had the same haircut all the time too, which was, um, it's kind of how my hair looks now when it's short because they have this thing called a cowlick. Are you familiar with that? It's when your hair kind of naturally curls at the front. Like it it's kind of has this big wave at the front. You know, this like this thing. You, you know? know, actually someone once said to me that I had a cowlick and I thought yeah. it was like a good thing. Is it a uh, is it, it a is. bad good or bad thing or is it, just it is it's just like it saying like okay. you're double jointed you just are oh, okay <laughs> that's oh, how no, your body but, works okay never mind it it was a tuft she said and that was basically uh, I wouldn't I think it was I didn't shower in the morning at some point uh, when I was in school and so I would sleep and then there would be just like the back of my hair would go up like yeah. that I know the yeah. viewers can't see this but the listeners I mean. Um, but it would be a cow lick but at the back of my head and then someone right. once said that to me and then I thought like oh nice I have a cow lick but does it suit me though and she was like cow licks don't suit anyone and I was like oh I think in the back of the head yeah that's kind of just a no-go like there's no there's no there's no upside there <laughs> um, yeah and that, I remembered that for, for till now <laughs> I was like 11 when she told me <laughs> um you, you, do you need to process that kind of childhood trauma from that? Yeah, I know. I need, to, I need to get back to that girl. I'd be like, hey, I remember. <laughs> you just realize now that you were insulted 13 years ago. And so now you're feeling hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Because oh, she, she taught me something, a new piece of vocabulary at the same time as insulting me. So I was like very mixed emotions because I was happy and sad, you know, sweet and sour. Yeah. Was any part of you like aroused? What, from the front hand, backhand treatment she just gave Yeah, from me. being complimented and insulted at the same time? I mean, I don't know. I was like 11. <laughs> I don't think okay. I got anything okay. from that. Okay. Um, Probably now so, it's a bit different. <laughs> so this thing with the, the cowlick, right? So I didn't, like, that was just kind of how my hair always looked. And kids would make fun of me for looking like Elvis. And as I talked about in the last episode, I was pretty sensitive. And so, like, it was, I was like, my hair sucks. Like, everyone's always teasing me. There was... You look like Elvis. You look also Elvis isn't a fresh reference. Like come up with a better reference, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I go to a high school. It's outside the ballet school, and I don't know what to do because it's like, oh, these a whole new group of kids are going to insult the heck out of me. I don't know what to do. And I got a really terrible haircut, and then all the kids made fun of me there, and Achoo. and um, and. So I decided, I was like, you know what I've never done? It's just let it grow long. And it was such a, like a mind blowing moment, such a, like a, like a galaxy brain moment where I was like, what if I just don't cut it? And then, and then ever since then I've let my hair be long and you see how long it is now. I never thought of just having this when I was a kid. And now, mm -hmm. and then I let it grow. And I was like, this is great. It's curly and shit. Like I didn't even know I had curly hair until <laughs> like late ninth grade. That looks good. It's a good move. Did you, did you ever try like bald? Or close no. to it. I've, I've, no, I've thought about, I've like wanted to shave my head for a while, but um, with ballet, it's kind of weird because like you can't really. Mm. 
Like, cause you nah, need to perform. Really. You can't just be like, Hey, I shaved my head. Siegfried's going to be bald this week. You know? Yeah. So, but during school, you can kind of actually, no, you can't even know. School would be so angry. But during summer, you can. But so summer, but it takes so long for the hair to grow back. I did it once in summer. I, uh, I did it. I think it was, I was like 16, 17. I thought I got really annoyed because my hair, I decided to grow it long one time. Cause I thought like, oh, it'd be really cool if I had long hair. And I was really annoyed with going to this uh, Algerian barber shop and they kept giving me these stupid cowlicks from the back of my head. And I was just wandering around every morning with a cowlick and it only worked. Actually, this maybe made me better at ballet because I hate my hair so much. I would work really hard to start sweating in class. So then the cowlick would go down. So every day my goal was just like, get this cowlick down so I don't get like, I mean, people didn't really pick on me for it, but you know, they could have, <laughs> it was in my head. Yeah, you were picking on yourself. Yeah, basically. Um, and then when I was like 16, we went to America and I really didn't like my haircut. And for whatever reason, I didn't want to go, I mean, it's pretty clear why I didn't want to go to the Algerian barbers because I didn't want the haircut they were going to give me either. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it myself. You know, I think we've all decided at one point that they I don't know, I'm hoping everyone else has decided at one point they want to cut their own hair. So I tried, I like got the scissors and I cut it like pretty short and it looked really, really bad. Like uh, as bad as you can imagine, that that's how bad it was. It was just like uneven, wonky, just you know, I thought I was artistic until I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not such an artist. Uh, anyway then I got my mum to cut it um shout out to mum <laughs> and uh then she just got the razor she just went like vroom, vroom. and then I finally saw the shape of my head wow. <laughs> looks like an alien <laughs> and so the hair was I don't know what sizes are but like two or three millimeters right. <laughs> so really short yeah and I thought like oh this is this is new you know, I actually didn't mind it because at least I didn't have a cowlick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. But um, how old were so you? Then I, uh, 16, 17, that kind of That's age. a good age for that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then I went to America. I went to a summer school in America. And like, I went with like two best mates. And uh, they took the piss out of me straight away the whole time. Uh, but then we went to this American school and it turned out that there were a, a group of Israeli girls that were e either used to or they were really like adoring army guys. And so yeah. I had this kind of army haircut, like I was like yeah. a bit bald, you know, and then they were like, oh, fuck, do you go to the army? And I mean, I didn't lie about it. I was like, no, but I just like the hairstyle. And then they were like, oh, because I owned it because I wanted to be a new person. You know, when you go to a new area, you have uh, you have the yeah. chance to be a different character, so, yeah. especially as a teenager. I was like just trying out different people who I could potentially be. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in America this time with these Israeli girls, my friends were like taking the piss the whole time, the whole flight, like whenever they got the opportunity. And then when we got to the ballet school, and we started talking to these other people and the girls were like oh this is nice and I was just like ah fuck off and I, they, they finally like laughed but um yeah didn't laugh as much you know they stopped smiling that's great and that's yeah a very good point very relatable of the going to a new place especially at that age and you're like okay nobody knows me I'm gonna reinvent who I am just try it out you know people say like 
hey, just be yourself. It's like, no, no, don't be yourself. Try being somebody else. Just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Then you end up finding, look like, you find yourself, don't you? You work it out after trying multiple people. You're like, ah, actually, I guess this one was actually me. Yeah, you see, you see what feels like you want to consistently be that person. Yeah. Mm. Also, I didn't really know who myself was. You know, I was just like, who, who am I? I had to yeah. work it out. Yeah, because at that point too, like you're such a, a product of your family and, and the school you go to and what you see on TV, like you're kind of just absorbing, right? And you haven't really made so many choices necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least if you're, maybe you're picking the things that are around you immediately. So family and school and like your friend, your friend group and stuff. So at that age, you get to start like, I'm going to deliberately try this thing. I'm going to shave my head and I'm going to go look like an army guy. See how that works. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I'm going to try works. being really nice. <laughs> I'm going to try being kind of a dick. Like, I'm going to try different things. Yeah. See what works. See how the world responds. Yeah. I hear you, fam. <laughs> right. So you don't know what we're doing this episode, do you? I don't. No. <laughs> I asked you to come up with a topic and to surprise me with it on air. Right. This, is, this is the surprise topic. Is it an intervention? Yeah. Are, are uh, my friends going to come out and no? Okay. Okay. This is actually quite an important topic to me. Um, it's misinformation and what it's like having multiple teachers with different styles. That's really good. Because I've had some trouble with having different teachers telling me conflicting information. And I just got so confused as a, as a kid. But even now, like yeah. now we have different ballet masters and they're teaching on different days. So Monday, you'll have like Russian style. Tuesday might be American. Wednesday, French teacher. And they all want different port de bras, different head, different timing. And then you have to like remember, oh, for this person, I have to turn my head a little bit more at bar. This person a little bit less. This person focus on port de bras, you know? This specific topic really affected me when I was in school. Ah. I remember like right when you said it, I'm like, oh, I'm right back there. Like I remember being so confused because ballet is like running a marathon while trying to complete a Rubik's cube. Like it is such a mental thing of what is good technique and what is good ballet and what Mm -hmm. is the method to finding that Mm -hmm. not to mention just the physicality is so difficult in itself. Mm. And so trying to unlock this puzzle and having a teacher say, it's like this, it's like this. And another teacher saying, no, it's like this, it's like this, but, but they're never saying no to each other because you're only in the room with one of them at a time. And so one of them explains, this is how you do a pirouette. And the other one explains something else. And then your Saturday teacher says, explain something else. And Mm -hmm. then you're just there like, I have an exam in a month and none of this is helping. And I'm supposed to somehow put all these ideas together. And I'm a kid who doesn't know anything. Yeah. And you you can't ask anyone either. Well, I'd want to tell them, (laughs) hey, the other guy disagrees with you. Can you guys go talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> you guys need to figure this out, not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you, you talk to your friends and they're just in the same position as you because they have no like extra information. So they're just yeah. like, yeah, we have no idea what's going on. We just take it. And so everyone's just taking it. <laughs> or potentially your friend who's like good at something will be like, well, I do it like this. And then you've got another opinion. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, the only one that anecdotally is actually leading to success is my friend who's like really good at this step. But yeah. so do I just do his? He's the only one who's not qualified, but yeah. he's the only one who can actually show me it working. So yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, and then I would go, I remember going to the director, Mavis Staines, just like mm -hmm. really overwhelmed and telling her like, I'm so confused. And then I just listed off these like 12 different corrections. And I'm like, and I'm trying to think about all of these at once. What do I do? She's yeah. like, all right, chill. It's actually simpler than that. And she helped me kind of realize, but, but I mean, there was, mm -hmm. yeah, there's no short answer, I think. Yeah, well, the, isn't the answer, but the short answer, I know you said there's no short answer, but isn't it, you literally have to do, you have to change who you are in each room, or you have to annoy the teacher by sticking to one style. Those uh, seem to be the options so far for me. If you can have a conversation with any of those teachers and just tell them kind of what you're feeling and what you're facing, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. But it does kind of venture into, at least for me, it felt like complaining and I don't want to be complaining and teachers don't really like it when you complain. And so if yeah. you're just saying, hey, it's hard for me to handle different corrections that might sound like just work harder or something. Yeah. And I wish that teachers were more open to complaints <laughs> in general. I, I think complaining is like the best way to like find the problems and then you can fix on the problems. Um, I mean, I know complaining can be like two different ways. It can be constructive criticism and then it can just be sort of like bitching, which isn't helpful and negative. Yeah. Uh, but I mean like the constructive kind of, as you said, complaining exploring um if we were just like more open to this it would make teaching and learning so much more easy because i can remember being i think it was actually every teacher when i was below the age of 16 probably i would just be like not confident enough to tell them that i didn't understand what was going on pretty much and then after i hit a certain age then i was like ah whatever i just tell them i, I don't know what's going after on after you sh shaved your head yeah exactly after you yeah. shaved your head and the israeli girls like you yeah it's like confident like, I'm enough a man now. now yeah whatever I want. <laughs> but it should be i don't know somehow reinforced that it's super important that you should tell the teacher like the kids should tell the teacher their criticisms about even the teacher's teaching you know should be that open I mean, it, it takes uh, some some amount of uh, security in yourself as the as the ballet teacher to just take this criticism from these twelve year olds. But well, that's the thing. Like, I think it could work. A twelve year old's criticism might be just nonsensical, right? Like, it might be, I don't want to do frappe twice. Like, no, you're going to do it twice. You need it or something, right? I agree that finding some middle ground where okay, if the teacher is teaching me right, and I'm not getting what the teacher's saying, like it's not making sense. I don't feel like I'm actually able to input what they're saying. Then what they're saying is kind of useless on some level, right? or at least words mm -hmm. are being said that are probably really valuable, but I'm not getting the value out of it. So it's kind of a waste of both of our times, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So something to remedy that would be great. Going so far as to say, I think that the students should be able to just tell the teachers what they don't like is like, okay, on face value, sure. But I think the way that would actually play out would be a lot of kids thinking that they knew better than the teacher. Yeah, yeah, but that's where the teacher steps in to just put the kid in their place. But not, not, in like a, not in like a mean way, but just exactly. Just go really deep into the problem until the kid knows exactly why their complaint is invalid. 
Okay, yeah. If the complaint is valid and the kid, like his argument stands up, then the teacher should change their opinion on that matter, you know? The teacher should be in a position where they can just explain everything well enough that the kid should be put into his place. Yeah. I recall a teacher I had who I, I will not name, but he was uh, pretty rough. He might have had some really good stuff in there to say, but he fought us on this really silly things, like the stupid things. And we go, I lose respect for you because you won't budge on the stuff that is just wrong. And if you would acknowledge like, hey, I made a mistake when I said this one thing or this exercise I gave you actually isn't square type thing, right? Like it isn't square. Mm-hmm. If you would just admit that, then we'd be fine and we could move on. But it's the fighting us on everything that we then kind of lose respect for him overall. Yeah, totally agree. Do you think that another way of saying this is the teachers should be treating the students like human beings? rather than children or rather than, you know, underlings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Is that, is that another way of saying it? Uh, I guess. Cause if we're no, human, then we're yeah. like, we have, we have different roles to play. Teacher and student are obviously different mm-hmm. roles, but we're all equal in the sense that everybody needs to kind of be on board. Everybody needs to be clear about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, for so, sure. I, I expect that most teachers do try to teach their students as humans. Um, and I don't see why they can't teach them as both students and underlings. I think there are a few teachers, not all, um, not even the majority in my experience, but like a few that have like uh, power, sort of power hungry, and they will struggle for power at all costs. Even even le- leaning into like bigotry uh, when they will keep to their opinion or ideology, like no matter what counter evidence there is but yeah no for sure for sure it should be even equal like really the the pupils should be like in control to some extent because the teacher's wage is getting paid from the school and the school is getting paid by either the pupil's parents or the government so in some ways like the power is even in the hands of the students and it doesn't feel like that as a kid, definitely not, especially if you're on scholarship. <laughs> you don't feel like it's your money in the first place that's paying that teacher's wage. Um, you know what I mean? That makes sense. <laughs> uh, so my mother is a professor and a university professor. And <laughs> I hear from her what it's like teaching now. And she's, you know, she's been teaching for a couple decades. And this is a surprise to me, just so you know. <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> okay. One of her, I think, chief kind of complaints or observations, which is not a positive one, is that students in general have become more aware that very entitled, I think, is, is one of the words mm-hmm. that would apply here. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the mentality has shifted from, oh, it's an honor to be at this hallowed institution i'm here for Mm -hmm. higher learning and Mm -hmm. the teacher is here in a very respected position for a reason so i'm going to listen and acquiesce to what they're Mm -hmm. saying Mm -hmm. and it's flipped from that to my daddy writes the checks that pay your bills and so you've got to give me a a passing grade you know i'm Mm -hmm. it's no i'm not there i'm not teaching but this is what i'm hearing a lot Mm -hmm. 
And so if you shift that even further to children or a group of like 11, 12, 13 year olds saying, hey, our daddies and mommies pay the bills so that mm -hmm. you have to do what we say. I think that's missing the point because ballet is so much about history, legacy, passing down the knowledge that we know, mm -hmm. pushing our bodies to do things that are inherently uncomfortable, unnatural. Mm -hmm. And so we need somebody to push us in directions that we don't think we're really capable of going, right? Yeah. So the example you gave was blackmailing teachers with talking about how their salary is being paid by parents, and that's not productive to the child's education. So the teacher can rightly say to the kid, I don't care about your daddy's money coming to me. I mean, actually, no, not even that. It's I'm, I'm winning. Like I'm helping your parents by doing what I'm doing right now. You know, if you frame it into a way that's I'm helping you learn, then the kid has nothing to say if he's trying to be like spiteful in that way and try to dig at your credentials or job. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between empowering the student as a fellow human and then putting them on the same level as the teacher, right? Like those two mm -hmm. seem very different, but the mm -hmm. wording might be similar, right? Like we're all equal here mm -hmm. in essence, yes, mm -hmm. but in function and role, absolutely not. Okay, yeah, I can agree with that. Do you have a specific example of a time a period or a specific moment, an instance where you were like receiving different notes from different people and it was really confusing like you want to kind of elaborate on it um okay uh, a little bit so when i was at the royal ballet school we had our first year teacher was called melis pakri he was estonian uh, he trained in vaganova and we had uh, david peden who was i think english or i don't know i think he was english anyway and uh, then after that we had jay jolly for third year and jay jolly was american American style. So we had Russian, English, and then American. So we had to, at the end of each year, relearn a different style. Yeah. And I found that a bit confusing, but sort of annoying because some of the styles worked really well for my technique. So with, I think it's yeah, English, we have our fifth position. So when our arms are above our head, we have it slightly in front of us. But I think with the Russian style, it was slightly more above the head. So there was a change in the position of the arms. But I really like putting my arms kind of more above my head because it helped me with my pirouettes because I felt more in line. And then I had to go back to putting them more in front of my head for the English stuff. So I was changing my technique in a way that I felt at the time was detrimental to my progress. <laughs> and then I had to change again to the American technique, which, which was more, more like twisting and overcrossing things, which some things were very useful, but in general, I got quite used to the English and Russian style. So then when we had American, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I was really enjoying those again. other ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was probably good for me, you know, in the long run to, to get all of them out of the way. So, you know, roughly a, a bit about each. Um, and that's not including the French stuff that we had to do, but we had French guest teachers come in and then we're like giving us lots of Petit Allegro and quick, small movements. Um, 
but it was a bit bit confusing a bit an- annoying at the time especially i was already sort of overloaded because we had such hard days of like packed full we had like 15 minute breaks in between but we would start at i don't know eight o'clock and then finish at six and i was just totally drained mentally and physically all the time and then at the end of each at the start of each year it'd be like now we can relearn stuff that we uh, that are different to the last year <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that was the most memorable thing because when i was at elmhurst it was a lot more simple i think i didn't feel like there was a big change in styles at any point i think it was english english training or at least the same sort of english training the whole way uh, i think yeah. at one point they decided just like i don't know somebody went to the head teacher and spoke to them about the height of first position and it went down from uh being kind of the bottom of your rib cage height sternum height to being belly button height just randomly and then all the teachers started teaching differently uh, but other than that, it was pretty uniform, the training the whole way through, which was nice. So like, it's kind of like comfortable when you say it's nice, it's like it's comfortable for the student. Yes. It's... But then I just think of the benefit that you don't realize you're going to get when you get into a company and the director might say, hey, change that first position height, you know, and you go, okay, I can because yeah. I'm ready for it. Right. Yeah. If you, you might get really, really comfortable with one style, if that's all you're taught. But there's a really good chance that choreographer, director, ballet master is gonna ask you for something different mm-hmm. and you're not gonna be ready. Mm. I, you don't want that discomfort to come your first, you know, soloist rehearsal, <laughs> Yeah. you know? Like ideally, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Get out of the way in school. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is really confusing. And for me, at least it felt like it was crossing wires. It wasn't like, oh, this is challenging, but at least I understand it. It was more like literally the teacher I have on Saturday and the one I have on Thursday, and then the one I have for variations class after, which are all different teachers, are all giving me different seemingly conflicting notes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a baseline that I could say, oh, well, I know this works for me. So I think this kind of dovetails into, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer when it comes to technique. I really think it's just taste and fit like is Russian technique better than British or American or French? I think objectively, you can't say that there is. Mm-hmm. You can say you have a preference, but that's very subjective. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the pieces here is finding out what works for you. So for me, my first position when I turn mm-hmm. is pretty close to my body. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's, that's what works for me. I could never do pirouettes up until I had a coach who I still work with now. She gave me a working model which is very replicable, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, hey, do I have a good turning day or not? It's Mm -hmm. do these things and it works. And so what's more important for everybody? That your first position is at the exact right height and exactly 18 inches from your your stomach and you do, but then I hop it Mm -hmm. or it's a little high and it's a little in and I do a clean four finishing on balance. Like, I think we can all agree that Mm -hmm. doing a step well is usually more important than the exact geometrics of it right mm-hmm. yeah for sure like some people their posse is a bit turned in or it's a bit whatever like and usually it's okay because if it fits you mm-hmm. and it works then it's fine right mm-hmm. yeah 
but in school, you don't really have the ability to look at your teacher and say, I'm not going to put my posse there. I like it to the front, not to the side. You know, you can't really say that. Uh, yeah, no, no, not at all. You don't, you, don't even, you don't know what good is. And you don't know and what you works for you yet. You I mean, you might, but also even if like, you know, I wasn't very good in school, but even if you're good in school and something is working, you don't know that it might work better if you make a change or it might be just as good, but cleaner if you make that change. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't really part of the same topic, but just a random note that I want to tell anyone listening that's going through school. Uh, if you if you can, uh, try to record yourself as much as possible, uh, videos, pictures, anything uh, to catch your progress at each age. I didn't do any of that when I was at school. I didn't record ever or take pictures, even I didn't get feedback from anyone in my dancing other than my teachers. So if you're listening now and you're in, the, you're in that position, make sure whenever you can, try to record yourself because uh, then you'll look back in five, 10 years and then you'll see how much progress you have. Uh, it's even helpful for confidence, not, not necessarily immediately yeah. um, because when you look back at your video the same day that you recorded it, you may have thought in your head that your feet were a bit better than they were or that your balance was a little bit more you know straight or on balance <laughs> whatever it may be uh, but later you'll look back and then you'll see like oh, okay that's where i was a year ago and this is where i am now and so you you have a track track record to go back to so if you ever feel demotivated you can just look at how you were five months ago one year ago, two years ago. And you'll see, even though your video now doesn't, might not look very good to you, you see what it looks like, what it did look a year ago. And so, yeah, I just recommend really try to get any footage you can. And recording uh, quality is getting better and better and storage is getting like uh, more like cheap. So you can buy more storage for less money. So definitely make the most of it if you're in school now. Agreed. <laughs> Just a random, random piece of advice. Just a random PSA about filming yourself. I've, <laughs> I've seen for yeah. me, anything I look at the first day, like right away, it's almost always a disappointment somehow. It's, it's kind mm. of this like magic thing where even if it's good, somehow I'm disappointed. Like somehow, somehow it's just on the first day, it's the ugliest. But if I mm. give it a week or a year, or really yeah. when I give it a chunk of my life, say three years, whatever, four years, I, I give it like a period of time and I look back. Then I also, because I'm far enough away from it, I have a greater understanding of where I was at personally in my development, mm -hmm. right? Because I've moved through all of the areas of my life, right? So yeah, like looking back at my, the first time I was ever doing principal work at all, mm -hmm. when I watched those videos, you know, after the show, I wanted to quit ballet. Like it was horrible. I was so like disappointed. I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Like everything yeah. was so bad. I was really borderline depressed. Like it was really hard. Mm -hmm. But when I look back at it now, I'm like, Oh, that's actually a really awkward variation. And I'm doing it quite well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because like, we don't realize it, but we set these goals for ourselves that are non-negotiable. And it doesn't really matter overall how we're doing because mm -hmm. all that matters is the specific goals, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So if I do 
really consistent pot of work. It doesn't matter because I don't care about that. My goals that I don't even realize are my goals are, do my legs look better than they are? You know, or maybe it's like, have I finally fixed my legs? Mm-hmm. I need that for me to feel yeah. okay. I need to think that I fixed my legs, mm-hmm. that my, my line is finally not thick, for example, for me, right? And so when I see myself do a really clean double assemblée, but my legs aren't long and lean and perfect and, you know, mm-hmm. then I go, oh, it's bad, right? Because yeah, I didn't yeah. achieve mm-hmm. that little goal I didn't even realize I had. So mm-hmm. therefore everything looks ugly to me. Mm-hmm. But that's ignoring the fact that this is a really awkward variation and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it. And overall, the whole show is good, right? So this is a tangent for sure, but this is definitely, this is a tangent of a tangent, but, <laughs> but to bring it back, I agree. Filming is good. Have the film, look at the film. Mm-hmm. Um, try not to hate yourself if you're like me and the self-loathing <laughs> and the self-critic is really yeah. naturally quite strong. Try to have some perspective. Maybe send one of us the video, message it to us, <laughs> two guys, and say, hey, am I as bad yeah. as I think I am? And we'll watch it and we'll be honest with you. Yeah, no. uh, but you're never as bad as you think you are. That's the deal, right? <laughs> um, I, think, I think, do you think it's fair to say you're never as good or as bad as you think you are? I think that's definitely okay to say because I was just about to go into... <laughs> the ups as well as the downs and sometimes i i looked at my old videos i can remember filming them looking at them and thinking jesus christ who is this guy he looks so good (laughs) and then looking back on it a year later and then seeing that it was really like awful work (laughs) right so it definitely does work both ways like we it's coming to the point where sometimes i think i probably can't trust my opinion right now you know because you have either you have a certain emotion at a certain time and a certain amount of dopamine in your system. So if you're feeling really happy, maybe you look at your dancing and you think it's a bit better than it is. And if you're feeling kind of sad, maybe you look at it and you feel worse than it is. So it's important to just be consistently filming and watching because you need to even out the highs and the lows. Otherwise, you might just see lows. That's a good point. Also, YouTube and social media is, they are, I mean, very useful, but also very dangerous if you only look at the best dancers and then you only watch your own dancing like once a year because you had to, because you had to do an audition, you had to film yourself. Because then you're comparing some of the best dancers, like the top 0.001% to you're not even particular, like it might not be your best video. So you're comparing their best videos and they have all the footage in the world to your average, even maybe below average film recording that you did once a year. (laughs) Maybe your mate, your friend recorded for you just because you had to audition and he or she doesn't know how to record. Like everyone's new to it and you're competing against like professionals or even the best of the best putting out only their best stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're comparing, you're comparing yourself to that all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you're going to be disheartened. Like, what chance do you have? <laughs> you have to try to bring it back. Get, get yourself comparing you to you. I know, I know that's, like, really annoying to hear. Everyone says, yeah, compare yourself to yourself. But with footage, you can kind of separate yourself 
from your past self in some sense. And so you can have, this is me from one year ago. This is me from two years ago. This is me from three years ago and see what's the difference between like the amount of progress you make. And then you can make somewhat a, of a more coherent picture for the future. I say this mostly because I struggled with that quite a bit. I would, yeah, as we said, not do any recordings. And then I would just have these random grand goals for myself. And then I would get to the certain age that I had this goal in the back of my head. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't achieve the goal. And then I would look around and I'd be like, and I'm far from it, like really far from it. And then as soon as I realized that my, like I would just have, not, not depression, but I'd be like quite sad for a, a bit. And that would keep happening. It's almost like you might need to go through the stages of misinterpreting your own skill level. Like you might need to think that you suck when you don't, and you might need to think that you're really, really good when you don't to eventually find a neutral, like to find mm-hmm. a level. You know what I mean? Pretty good point. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have a small little PSA here where I reach out to anybody who feels like they hate what they look at in videos. Yeah. Cause this is really important. And I remember how ruthless it felt for me to watch myself on video for so long and my heart reaches out to anybody else who feels that way. And so maybe we can come back to this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just say, if it's hard to watch yourself on video, you're not alone. And I'm gonna, I'd put money down that it's actually better than you think. Over time, you'll get perspective and you'll realize you weren't as bad as you thought you were, or it didn't really matter anyway, if you were bad at that time. All that matters is that you get to know, like clearly, honestly, where you are. Because if you think you're better or worse than you are, both are bad. You just need to know where you are so you can improve from that point. And being too hard on yourself isn't the same as being honest, right? If you say to somebody like, you should really be honest with yourself about where you are, you might think, oh, that probably means I need to be mean. But being honest might be, I don't know, except that you're 14, you're imperfect. Or you're 23 mm-hmm. and you're imperfect. Like, you know, you're just, mm-hmm. you are where you are and that's okay. Right? The be honest doesn't have to feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was thinking even more because um, I had, of course, these points when I thought I was better and worse than myself. Um, it definitely has to go the other way too. So if you think you're pretty good because you're in a, a good school, say you're in... Uh, this isn't anyone in particular. Say you're in Royal Ballet School and you think you're a big, big boy because you got into a good school. You might, you might still suck, you know? You might not be good. <laughs> and uh, actually, I can remember, I think, Melis, Melis Packery, the first year, uh, first day even, it might have been. Uh, he, he told us that it doesn't mean anything that we got into this school. After we had just been congratulated for... I don't know, however many weeks or months for getting into this great school by like everyone else that we met. And then we came into the room and he was just like, yeah, it doesn't mean shit. You don't, you don't have a job. You just got into the school. Like you're just, that's it. And then he made it clear to us that we were bad pretty quickly um, in, a, in a good way. Like we all respect him and are very happy that he did that. But you can feel too good or too bad about yourself. Also, don't get rid of your old content. No matter how bad you think it is, keep the bad stuff. 
because the worse it is the better it will feel when you know that you've come from there to your new normal very good you really don't want to keep cutting away your 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 worst points because then it will always feel like oh, i wasn't that bad then and i'm not that bad now and it won't feel as good yeah yeah no that's a that's a really good point don't get rid of stuff because you think it's bad if anything save that save it all coming back to this whole what if you have three different teachers giving you three different pieces of advice i don't know if there is a simple answer that, that kind of fits every situation we were talking about human and equal the teachers are human as well. Teacher isn't just a broad title of teacher and power and authority. It's all just people with their own problems in an environment trying to get along as best they can with their day. When you get into a company or if you're already in a company, as you do more, maybe some more soloist work or you work with different choreographers or whatever it might be, you will be asked, both of us have been asked to do things differently than the way that they naturally work for us. And it's a challenging moment. And so the more prepared you can be for that, the better. So maybe if you're asked to do lots of different things that seem conflicting, see if you can have a conversation with any of those people giving you those notes and just say, honestly, don't fight them, but say, hey, I'm confused because these things feel like they're in conflict, right? See if they're willing to listen to you. But even if it's uncomfortable and challenging, just like doing, you know, Running a mile is challenging, but it's good for your stamina. Doing different styles and different techniques is challenging, but it's good for your career long-term. Yeah. Uh, should, we, should we finish up now? Yeah, let's wrap it up. You want to, you want to bring us home? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Two Two Guys. Um, what the fuck do we, <laughs> what do we do? You, uh, can, you wrap us, us. can you wrap it my, my head doesn't work at this time of night <laughs> do you want to just do it it's really yeah sure <laughs> give, give, give it a shot <laughs> yeah okay email us at 22guyspod at gmail.com let us know if you've got any feedback any topics you want us to uh, cover in the show we'd really appreciate that reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook at 22guys uh, you know leave a nice review if you feel like it on Amazon wait no Leave a, <laughs> that was wrong. Uh, leave a nice review on Apple if you feel like it. Um, that does help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything else? Um, no, other than suggestions and reviews. That'll be good. Try to be nice to yourself. You, know, you don't have to do that for us, but you could. <laughs> no, we'd, uh, we'd like it. Yeah. I'd like to know that you were nice to yourself at least yeah. once. As long as you let, let us know about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be nice to yourself and then let us know how and, and how and why, you know? Yeah. Do you want to high five through the camera? Yeah, got it. All right. High five, you Adam. Make a sound so I know. Smack. All right. All right. See Good you next stuff. week, Adam. See you, man. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.